Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. My guest this week is Harold Kockelmeyer. He's kind of sort of an operation manager for a commercial office furniture dealer. How's it going, Harold? Pretty good. How's it going with you, Brett? It's, um, I'm here. <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping things alive. That's good. Mm. We, we like it when you're alive. So you, my main topic for you today is actually about your job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we're going to move into how, how you and I met um, and what happened on New Year's Eve. <laughs> the crazy New Year's Eve this year. Um, so you have a job at a commercial office furniture dealer where you are sort of kind of an operations manager mm-hmm. uh, without, w- without going into the details of the job, because it sounds like you're kind of a jack of all trades for this company. Yeah. Yeah. That's, wanna, that's accurate. Is this job what you love doing? It It isn't what I love doing. There are, uh, there are parts of the job that I enjoy. Um, uh, every now and then I get a, uh, problem I get to solve. Uh, but a, a lot of it's just day to day, uh, customer service and, um, and rounding up paperwork basically. So, you know, it, it's kind of meh. Yeah. But you chose this job and you choose to stay there. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't seek the job out. Um, at what point in your was, life did you decide you want to be an operations manager <laughs> for a commercial office furniture? Okay. Well, it all started when I was three years old. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I was out of work and, um, and not having any luck finding anything. And, and one of my friends from high school, uh, said, Hey, we've got this big, um, uh, big install coming up. Uh, so we're looking for people. So you want to come work with me? So I, I, um, in the office furniture world, there usually aren't all that many applications involved. Uh, I think there are probably too many people that do it that can't uh, read or write all that well. So, uh, I basically called the owner of the, of the company. We chatted a little bit. I met with the foreman and then, uh, I started on this, um, this, I think it was 460, uh, workstation install for the, uh, first office furniture I ever put in and, uh, just have kept with it. Um, there hasn't been anything that's made me feel like going through job hunting again, because I hate job hunting. Um, hate, hate resumes and interviews and all of that stuff. So, um, the, the company that I was working for got bought by another company. And, um, along the way I met my current boss because we, uh, did some work for him. And, uh, after about a year and a half after, um, after my company got bought, uh, I got fed up with the, uh, the manufacturer that we were dealing with all the time said, I, I 
can't do this anymore. Called up my current boss and said, Hey, are you looking for anybody? And, uh, stepped into, uh, uh, basically a void that they had. Um, at the time I was the only employee of the company and, um, but with that came a, a lot more freedom. So now I get to, uh, I get to make my own schedule. I can say, Hey, you know, this, this is above our pay grade. We should look for somebody else to do this or yeah, let's find out a way to, to make this happen. And, um, so my, my current, current job is a, a really good fit because my boss trusts my abilities and, and gives me basically free reign. So it, it's a good employment environment, even though I, you know, could leave the, the furniture industry any day and not feel any ounce of regret. So it, it, is it safe to say that this job is comfortable for you? This job is very comfortable for me. What If you had to describe the job in, say, three words, mm. what would you use? Uh, I might need a day to come up with something. A day? <laughs> I'm I'm going to I'm going to throw these out. I'm going to say comfortable, stable, free. Uh fr- uh freedom you, it's flexible. Flexible is the word. Yeah, there we go. I uh definitely comfortable and flexible. Um I'm not going to I'm not necessarily going to say stable cuz um the the amount of work we have can can vary wildly week to week, but are you, so you're not salary. I'm not salary. You get you get paid on commission. How does that work? No, I I'm uh, almost purely out just hourly. Oh, so if there aren't if there aren't install jobs, you make less. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is yep. that's uncomfortable to me. Well, um, I just got uncomfortable for you. I mean, that's how I live my life, but <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you work for yourself and, and I, you know, it's basically the, the same kind of thing. You know, if, if there isn't, if there isn't anything you can build, then there's nothing coming in. Right. Right. So, you know, it, it's, it's not necessarily the most stable thing in the world, but it's, um, with the, with the amount of, of work I do, you know, part of my billable time is trying to find work for, uh, we, we have uh, a couple more installers now. So there are, uh, three employees of the company. Uh, so part of my billable time is trying to find work for them too. So you so do I, sales a little bit. Uh, we, we have, uh, kind of a, a set client list. But, you know, going around to the the various companies and saying, hey, do you need any help this week? So this is interesting. I had this impression that it was a a nice, quiet job where you could use the skills you had, but didn't feel um, it wasn't something you had a lot of passion for. Mm -hmm. Yet it's it's something you have to be dedicated to to put Mm -hmm. up with a flexible paycheck and be willing to go out and find customers and and jobs that is i kind of don't understand why you're not self-employed now oh man 
It, I mean, it just, I mean, I get, I get that right now you have kind of an umbrella. Yeah. One level well, removed from the sheer terror of being self-employed. Yeah, I think that one level is is enough for me. Um, and I, I, it would be different if we were uh, talking about a startup or something. Um, when I when I joined the company, uh, they had been going for what seven years, I think. And um, having having worked with them before, I I knew that they know uh, how to run a business. They, they understand that you have to, um, you have to plan for some lean times. You have to plan for mistakes happening. Um, which is something that in the, the furniture industry is actually kind of rare. Um, like the, the first company I worked for, we had uh, a truck and they wouldn't even charge enough for the use of the truck to cover maintenance. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, I could tell that, um, that at least they had, they're, they're very good at running their business and that that's enough for me not to have to worry about, um, you know, what, what if something catastrophic happens you know, it, am I am I going to lose my house? Um, that sort of thing. So having and the other thing is, um, while I'm out uh, doing installations, they're also looking for uh, things to sell or work to do for other people. So, so it, it takes a little bit of the load off me too. But I think you like having something to fix, though, don't you? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's starting to make sense to me now. Yeah. You picked up on that, huh? <laughs> yeah. One, one of my standing uh, Craigslist search uh, searches is uh, needs. <laughs> you know, do you that, have any exclusions on that search? No, no. Cause you never know what people are going to put in there, but you know, it, uh, needs work needs TLC stuff like that. That all pops up. Needs a loving new owner. Yeah. I think that would give you a lot of dogs. Yeah. Yeah. There, I, I don't, uh, I don't pounce on just anything that pops up. Well, I should hope not <laughs> with your unpredictable income. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So this is starting to make sense to me. Uh, you, you, you're passionate about being comfortable Mm-hmm. That okay, so this is this is where it's intriguing to me. This personality that wants more than anything to not want anything. To okay, to not be uncomfortable with anything. Yeah. Just the right amount though, because you need there to be if everything were perfect, you'd be what? um bored or um i i mean big picture it, if i had all of the money in the world i would find things to fix and break I, i'm pretty <laughs> sure i can relate to that so you know it, having not having, having all the money in the world let me be clear yeah <laughs> I, I can relate to the need to break things so i can fix them part yeah where where'd all my money go oh brett has it <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I, I, um, I, I, I'm fine with not being rich. I, I'm, but I, I don't want to have to scrape by it. Having just enough is, is fine with me. Um, I'd like to have enough to be able to retire at some point because <laughs> I, I, yeah, that, uh, that's a long shot. I'm but, laughing with you, not at you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, like I, I can't do my job forever. Um, yeah, at, at some point I will need to do something else. So uh, just physically, but you enjoy, you have a lot of hobbies. Mm-hmm. Why aren't any of those your job? Uh, because I don't want to burn out on it. Um, it, it's even, even just, uh, some of my hobby stuff, I can be doing it and have a, have a good time and then come up against a problem and bash my head against it for a week and get really frustrated and not want to do it. And, if you know, I I can walk away from that, and I can can come back to it later when my head's clear. If I do that for a job, then I I'm never going to want to do it again. Huh? It it seems to happen with just about everything that I enjoy doing. At some point, I feel that your uh, your path is very wise. Then, <laughs> I mean, I can. I, I code for a living now, mm-hmm. and I I bang my head. I walk away plenty of times, but I don't have any problem going right back to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if if you know your personality and your personality really just wants to leave it behind when things get impossible, yeah, I guess that's smart then. I'm not judging you for... <laughs> <laughs> not doing not doing what you love, not making what you love your job and never yeah. working a day in your life. Yeah, I I I think I I decided on on that for sure in my uh early 20s. I I wasn't very old when I decided I I did not want to do something that I liked for a job. That's so intentional. I've, I've honestly, I've never heard anyone say that before. I've heard so many people say, find a job doing something you love. I've never heard anyone consciously make the decision. I'm going to do something that I can do and is interesting, but I don't love. I'm sure I got it from somebody else. I, just, I can't <laughs> think of who. I like it. So let's talk about things that do spark passion for you. All right. Um, the first time I met you in person was at an autocross event here mm-hmm. in southeastern Minnesota. Um, I It was my first time seeing autocross, and granted, I had to take off before, before the actual uh, trials began, but I saw the course, and I saw some of the cars, and it was kind of... Also, I found out you're like seven feet tall. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> These are the things I remember from that day. You, mm-hmm. w- looking at the car you brought there, which, what, which it was a Porsche, right? Yeah, it's a nine forty four that you kind of rebuilt, stripped at least. Uh, let's talk about your car. 
Okay. Uh, when uh, generally uh, people in the club like to uh, point my car out to new people, um, mainly just to see the confused looks on their faces. <laughs> I, I like to say that by volume, it's mostly stock. Um, but uh, yeah, we my my friend and I uh, put a, a Ford V8 in it in place of the the stock engine. A Ford V8 and a Porsche. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. So, clearly, that is some kind of labor of love, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was about a year and a half worth of weekends uh, working in his, in his garage. So, how many times did you bang your head and walk away from that? Um, Not very many, actually. It, it was mostly a, a case of uh, wanting to work on it more than we could. Because um, it, it was in my friend's garage the whole time. Um, and right in the middle of that is when he had his first kid. So we had to take about six months off of it. Um, but... Um, the the whole process was just a uh, a lot of interesting problems to solve, and that that's the sort of thing he's into too. Yeah. So um, there there weren't any roadblocks that made either of us want to throw up our hands. So when did you start working on cars? Uh, I started actually working on cars for. Fun probably when I was it was early twenties. I want to say twenty two, twenty three, and before that it was all um, just picking up uh, little maintenance things for my dad. And growing up, I always thought my dad was uh, really into working on cars. Uh, when really, what he did was occasionally change brake pads and oil. So that takes a certain amount of know-how brake pads aren't easy it it takes know-how for sure but it it i i always thought that he enjoyed working on cars Ah. i think it was really more of a a money-saving uh effort yeah see my dad does love working on cars uh he he enjoys everything from maintenance to he built his own car in high school awesome from like scrapyard parts mm-hmm. a convertible <laughs> and like growing up he was always doing you know like he always have the car up on what are they called the it's like a lift but you drive onto the little ramp things mm-hmm. this is how much i know about cars but yeah, those are usually called ramps <laughs> ramps yes <laughs> he's up on ramps and and he'd be working on something and he he showed me how to you know change oil I think that was really the only only maintenance task I actually picked up from him. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not interested as a kid. I wanted I wanted to learn the basic money saving stuff, but I didn't do a very good job of that. Um, I have improved on that in my adult years, but it hasn't ever been a uh, a draw for me until recently. Mm-hmm. So on uh, on New Year's Eve this year, I guess last year. Um, I guess technically last year. 
the New Year's Eve before this year, <laughs> you spent a full day, well, I would say helping me, but really just letting me watch. You replaced the clutch in an Audi TT, in my Audi TT. Yep. And you have, since the age of 22, 23, developed enough knowledge to take an Audi apart, replace a clutch and a flywheel, and put it back together in working condition. Mm-hmm. That is, I don't know, that, that fascinates me. I learned a lot that day. Two days, really. Um, well, actually, yeah, it was like a week, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, just waiting on the on the parts to show up. Yeah. Um, I learned a lot, though, and now I find driving it that I am aware of, you know, everything that's moving when I drop the the stick into gear. Mm-hmm. And that's it's kind of like suddenly I want to know more now. Did that yeah, happen it, for you at some point? Like, what was the project that? Yeah, I, I think that was um, that was basically what happened with me. Um, I, I think it was probably when I was um, uh, hanging out with my wife's brother, and he was working on. I think he must have been working on an autocross car. Um, he and his friend uh, bought a, a VW Rabbit and welded all kinds of. Uh, reinforcement bars and all kinds of stuff in there. So if you looked at it funny, it would go around a corner on three wheels. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm looking at all the stuff he's doing and like, man, I, this is cool. I want to, I want to do this sort of thing. And, um, one of the things that, uh, I hear people say a lot about, you know, Sometimes people ask me how I know so much stuff about, you know, whatever subject, or I, I hear other people say it. And I mean, I, I think it basically just comes down to, you know, at, at, at this point in time with all of the information that's out there, it just comes down to having an interest. Um, cause it, if you want to find out how to do something on your car, there is almost a hundred percent chance that there's a video of somebody doing that on YouTube. Can you imagine learning this stuff before YouTube? I can imagine learning it, but, uh, I can imagine learning a lot of it wrong from some guy who only has three teeth. (laughs) There's, there is no rule that says you have to have a full set of teeth to post a video on YouTube. So you can't absolutely (laughs) say you didn't learn it. From a guy with three teeth, but yeah, but yeah, no, I've, I've found that I've been doing a lot of projects around the house and found that when I get stuck, there's always a YouTube video to, to help me figure out everything from plumbing to electrical to woodworking. Mm-hmm. I honestly like, I think, I don't know how old you are, but I had a good portion of my life where the internet didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I remember... I remember the first time I got into a gopher repository and (laughs) dug around and realized how much information really was out there that wasn't, you know, just what I could find at the public library. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, just as a quick aside, my dad was on the gopher team at the U. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he. Um, they uh, passed around the or stills of Adam Curry wearing the uh, <laughs> Go for World World Tour uh, shirt on MTV. Let's uh, let's clarify them. that we're not talking about the Gophers, the like Minnesota right, yeah. U of M football thing. We're talking about the team that made a protocol for basically command line access to vast repositories of knowledge. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he didn't even go to the uh, University of Minnesota, so he couldn't have been on one of the sports teams. <laughs> wow. Okay. But yeah, so so basically you live in an era where if you want to learn to do something, you just can. Yeah. And you took advantage of that. Absolutely. Smart. Um, I would say out of the list of other hobbies that you have, uh, one that would pertain to this, I think, is your projects with microphones. All right. Let's talk about that. What do you do with microphones? Um, well, I, I've made two of them now. So um, th- th- this all stemmed from uh, when uh, a group of us started doing podcasts, and I'm, I'm looking around at, at microphones, and uh, w- one of my problems is that I like to um, – I, I don't like to just go and get something that'll be eh, good enough. Um, and But coupled with the, the fact that I don't make the most money in the world, I can't afford the stuff that's, hey, that's really great, and there's no reason for me to ever have that. <laughs> uh, so my, my middle ground is usually, well, can I make one make something that's better than, than the cheap stuff that – uh, works at least as well as the, the mid range stuff and maybe even better than that. Um, and so that, that eventually led me to, uh, look for, uh, anybody who had, um, information on how to build a microphone that sounded good, which led me to a Yahoo group of all things. (laughs) Um, so there's, um, there's a, a group on Yahoo uh, called, uh, crap, I'm going to have to look for an email now, um, uh, DIY microphone or something like that. Um, and uh, there are all these people ranging from uh, people like me who have never uh, never built a microphone before to, uh, to audio engineers that have been in the business for 40 years. Um, and, uh, there are probably, I, I think about 10 people in the, in the group that, um, that know enough about, uh, audio electronics that they can, um, design their own circuits. Uh, and so there are several of, uh, several different designs that, uh, they've put out there where you get the, the schematics and, uh, they've built their own. And, uh, so basically what I do is I take some really cheap microphone off of, uh, off of Amazon that costs 15 bucks or so, take all of the electronics out of it and build my own circuit board and, uh, get a, a better capsule to put into it and wind up with a, 
a microphone that costs about $50 and sounds like one that costs more like $200. Wow. And I, I have absolutely no reason to build these things. It, it's almost a compulsion at this point. How do you judge the sound quality? Uh, it generally involves uh, testing with uh, various audio sweeps and uh, finding out how much distortion there is and all all manner of really boring stuff. So you've actually you've learned a bunch of um, audio, mm-hmm. pro audio kind of stuff in the process of doing this. Yeah, and you know, not, not enough to speak authoritatively on it or anything, but um, but enough to build a microphone mm-hmm. that competes with two hundred dollar microphones. Mm-hmm. This is, I'm, I am, I am somewhat impressed. No, I'm really impressed. <laughs> it's the internet, man. See, this is this is where the uh, the whole the paradox comes for me is. You, you have a job where you get to do some things that interest you, but when something really does interest you, you're really good at learning it. Mm-hmm. But you choose to to have a, a more kind of low-lying profession so that you can pursue this stuff. You have a like vast amount of knowledge. It's, it's intriguing. It's not weird so much as just kind of fascinating. Well, it, it's... It's like I uh, described it before. It, my my knowledge base is broad but shallow, so I, I I like to pick up stuff on a lot of different subjects. But I mean, there there's only so much brain in there. I I can't get really deep on on any one subject. Um, yeah, I can relate to that. I I like to uh, it. It seems like most of most of my hobbies are um, centered around uh, first coming up with, hey, I wonder if I can do that and then ending up doing it. And, you know, in the, in the process, I'll pick some stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. My my interests are very. I like to learn, but I hit a point with any topic where I'm just like, OK. I have a working knowledge of that now enough mm-hmm. to do what I wanted to do. And then my attention shifts. I, I don't know a lot about anything. I get that. There are some things that people think I know a lot about because I know more than they do. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I get that a lot. <laughs> I believe that. Um, yeah. I, in, in my opinion, you know, a lot about cars. You know a lot about mechanics. I mean, mechanical things. Yeah, and I, really, I I think probably everybody I've met has has got the same thing. Um, because th- there are there's anybody you meet, there's going to be something that they know more about than you do. It it just has to be the case, right? Oh, I should hope so. So, um. Yeah, I mean, I I get people all the time where they're super impressed by by something really simple, <laughs> and then the they just kind of eh, uh, toss off 
something that's actually really complicated and, and more involved because they, they don't even know what they don't know about a subject. Um, but you know, the, the, the things that, uh, that are impressive to them might not really even mean anything, but then, you know, same thing will go with them. They know everything about this widget over here. And I need to know something. I'm looking all over the place for it. I can't figure it out. I asked them, they just tossed it off off the top of their head. Well, that seems really impressive. And then, you know, they're, they're going around and they're surrounded by people who know way more about that thing than they do. And I mean, it, it's like that with, with me and cars, you know, there's a forum I'm on, um, called speed talk, um, where, you know, people hang out and they're, uh, ask questions about, um, that it's a lot of people that do drag racing. So they're looking to maximize what they have. And, um, somebody will ask a question about, uh, valve timing for camshaft design. And I'll read one sentence into it. My eyes will glaze over. I have no idea what they're talking about. And it'll be full of, well, you know, Bob, it's like, uh, nope. Take me back to square one. Yeah. You reach under my hood and with your fingers stuck down next to my engine block, you fix the alignment on my, uh, clutch mm -hmm. like the shifter. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, there there are so many people out there that know so much more about cars than I do. I believe that there are so many people out there that know much much more about everything I do than I do, and mm-hmm. honestly, that doesn't it doesn't stop me. Yeah, like there's no yeah. part of me that's like, oh, well, I need to know as much as they do. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, that's that's the wonder thing, wonderful thing about sharing information. It's, no, no person can know everything about any subject. The internet does, though. Exactly. The internet is our collective deep dive brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I guess the 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 last point I would put on this would be, I it's been a long time since I've talked to anyone that I had to consult a dictionary <laughs> during the conversation. Where did you get your your love of vocabulary and words? Uh, it would have to have been my mom, I guess. Um, I, I note that you're tempering it right now. You're using mm-hmm. all words that are common vernacular, but you do have an extensive vocabulary. So please, from your mom. Uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, I'm, I'm not doing it consciously, uh, if that makes any difference. Um, That's why it makes it so disconcerting when those $10 <laughs> words pop in. <laughs> Uh, I'll be back before you can say anti-disestablishmentarianism. I know uh, that one. How do you spell it? I-T. Uh, okay. A-N-T-I-M. <laughs> um, yeah. I, my mom was... Um, I guess the, the best way of illustrating it is uh, she, was, uh, she was an ultrasound tech um, by by profession. And, um, so, you know, she worked in a hospital for her entire career. Um, 
she she did x-ray and ultrasound um but she had a master's in theology and a doctorate in ministry so you know not the not the sort of thing that would necessarily advance your career in ultrasound um and so she she was uh a learner by nature and i think she just passed that along to me and it doesn't hurt that Gwen really likes big words. Sorry, my my wife, Gwen. Um, so uh, just kind of surrounded with uh, fun vocabulary. Were there a lot of very interesting words in your wedding vows? I don't really remember. I'd have to look them up. It, it's as of... Uh, uh, later this month, it's been 15 years now. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. What, uh, what was the word that came up the first day we were working on the Audi that you had to explain to me? I think it was obstreperous. Yes. That's what it was. What does that mean for the listeners? (laughs) I already looked it up. (laughs) Uh, as I recall, uh, see that it's there are a lot of words that I that I have that I have a feeling for that I find hard to uh, define for other people, um, uh, which makes things difficult sometimes. Um, the uh, definition I'm getting right now is noisy and difficult to uh, control, which uh, s- seems to square with my. My usage of it, at least. You must um, be in the uh, the OS, the Mac OS dictionary app. Um, no. Oh, because my mine says noisy and difficult to control, as in <laughs> the boy is cocky and obstreperous. Well, that that's the definition I have, but that's uh, it's from Google. Um, <laughs> yeah, I there are. I, I think there are, th- yeah, there are three Macs in this house. No, four. And none of them are, are currently on. So. Yeah, we won't go into that. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's take a, a quick sponsor break and then we'll hit the top three picks. All right. This episode of Systematic is brought to you by Text Expander for Teams. Text Expander for Teams is a productivity multiplier, a shared knowledge base from which your team communicates quickly and accurately. Imagine all of your team's common replies are worded by your best writers. Then imagine they're immediately accessible and searchable through simple abbreviations and keyboard shortcuts. Then imagine they're available on the platforms your team is on, Mac, iOS, and now Windows. Text Expander helps customer service teams provide better, faster, more accurate service. Teams of all sizes can harness the productivity benefits enjoyed by the folks from Smile, 1Password, WordPress, Shopify, and You Need a Budget. You can visit textexpander.com slash systematic to start your free trial. And there will be some links in the show notes for some uh, stories and testimonials that are worth reading if you have any company-wide need for consistent, clear communication, which I would think would be most people. Certainly hope so. I I was surprised to find out that uh, it's available for Windows now. Yeah, that just happened uh, last month. 
Yeah, it is, so even, it is now truly cross-platform. Even backwards people like me can use it. Right. People who own Macs but don't turn them on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the top three picks. All right. We'll, we will go, as you're probably familiar, we will go round robin uh, one at a time. What's your first pick? Uh, my first pick is a YouTube channel called This Old Tony. Um, it's uh, He's got a, a series of videos of... Um, it, it's basically right up my alley. He says, hey, here's how you do this thing. Uh, so he does uh, some machining videos where, um, like, in, in one of them, he made uh, a little, uh, like, campfire espresso pot uh, using his lathe and mill. Um, there's one where he uh, used this uh, CNC mill that he built uh, to make a toy sword for his son. Um, and he has some videos where he's just uh, kind of answering questions, uh, talking about things around the shop. Uh, but it's it's the sort of video that I really like to watch where, you know, well, how does this how does this happen? Oh, there it there's how it happens. Uh, it's uh, there are a whole lot of uh, channels like this on YouTube that are like um, oh, what's the show called? Uh, how it's made? How how uh, stuff works? Or oh yeah, no 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 no. How it's made? Yeah, yeah I watched the one so, on pencils. It was obscenely fascinating. Yeah, so it, it's like how it's made, except instead of um, going through the process in five minutes there will be like five or six half hour long videos on stuff um like they're uh have you heard of clickspring no it's an australian guy who made uh made a clock out of just brass and steel stock and so it started from from scratch with no parts and made all of the parts and documented the entire process. I, I'm making a note. Click screen. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a whole uh, uh, K-hole of <laughs> YouTube videos I'm probably going to get stuck on now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, You'll okay. Like I had to look up once. I'm at a Chinese restaurant looking at the prefab... Not pretty, but the the chopsticks that you know you break them apart. Yep, square ones down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, how do they make these? You know, clearly they're made as one piece. Mm-hmm. So I had to look that up. And at the table, I'm watching a YouTube video on. I think it actually was from How It Works, uh, or How Stuff Works, how how it's made, how stuff, how to. Ma- I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, that stuff gets me um, uh, very distracted. Mm-hmm. This is going to be bad for me. This <laughs> is bad for productivity. <laughs> nice. All right. So my first pick is going to be uh, Reverb for Mac. Next time you have your Mac on, look up Reverb. Uh, it's You can find it at Reverb.ai or on the Mac App Store. And... Is it on the Mac App Store? 
All I know is it, it's it's an interface for your Mac to Alexa, Amazon's answer to Siri. It is yeah, it's in the App Store for both iOS and Mac OS, and you can talk to Siri without having an like an Amazon Echo or an Echo Dot, and you can. Uh, it, I'm sorry to everyone who loves Siri if those people <laughs> exist, but Alexa's really smart. And her recognition, uh, her voice recognition is outstanding. And yeah, and they even have a, if you go to reverb.ai, there's even like an online version of it where you can just click the mic on the screen. And if it has access through your browser, you can talk to Alexa right there. Yeah. Ask questions, control things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to, uh, to be fair, none of the Macs that I have are new enough to have the Mac App Store. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's another that's conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I started back when I used PC. Um, I I would I started building my own back in the days of like the 486, like mm-hmm. pre Pentium machines, and continued doing so really cheap up until I got hooked on Mac and then all my computers got really expensive. <laughs> but these days I do, I'll buy, uh, not super old, but older Mac minis used for a few hundred dollars and then take them apart and add in everything I want. And I will admit I've destroyed a couple of logic boards doing this. Um, but really it, it's, uh, it's kind of like building, an autocross car, but with a computer and way less time and money. And it's really not at all like that. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say that I do, I do enjoy, uh, the getting back to the old days where you would order your motherboard, you would order your case, you would order your graphics card and your hard drives and kind of stick it all together. If you're I, really I still, crazy, you put a clear side and a water cooling <laughs> system. And, yeah. Oh, nowadays it's hard to find a case that doesn't have a window on it. It's kind of annoying. Every Alienware uh, took over. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still have almost all of the hardware from my the first computer I built. That's got to be old. Yeah. Yeah, I'd... I'd I started later than you did. Uh, my my first one was a Pentium 233 MMX. <laughs> I paid like $230 just for the CPU. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous nowadays. Yeah. But still cheaper than... Well, I don't know. PCs are pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. You can buy like a ready-to-go high-power Dell lap... Or like uh, Sony... Who's the good one now? I don't know i can never tell everybody always hates on dell um i will admit that the last time i built a pc gateway was still a thing i thought they were still are they i haven't seen a cow colored cow marked box forever oh i I think they got rid of that at some point i think dude you got a dell was the uh was the ad on tv at the time i got my first mac Dude, Man, you got a Dell. Those were so annoying. <laughs> in in high school, uh, yeah, I, I think it was '97 when I when I built my first one, and I, for some reason it came up at school, 
and um, one of the uh, one of the girls in band said, "You should get a you should get a gateway. It comes in a cow box." <laughs> yep, it's not really the point. They did have amazingly good customer service. Dell eventually caught up with them, but Gateway at before I believed Dell could do this, I could have a like a CD drive fail in my machine and they would have a new one on my porch the next morning. Mm. That was in that day and era before, you know, overnight shipping was a standard thing. Back when mm-hmm. DHL was fast. <laughs> they would have it would be on your porch in at that point what was a, an unbelievably short period of time yeah yeah anyway okay so what's your second pick uh my second pick is uh digikey electronics um it's where i i get most of my um uh, electronic components like uh you know resistors and capacitors and stuff um, and they're based in Thief River Falls, Minnesota. Wow. I, I, based on how big the company is and how big Thief River Falls is, I kind of think the whole town works there. <laughs> um, we, we have peerless chain here. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're, uh, so they're, they're a local company. They have just about everything. Um, it is a little bit weird that all of my stuff has to go through Grand Forks, North Dakota, but, uh, <laughs> drop shipping. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it actually ships out from uh, thief river falls and then goes across the border and comes back on what carrier, like what shipping line? Uh, it usually comes to me, uh, USPS just cause I go for the, the cheapest option. That is extremely inconvenient. Yeah. Huh. So there, there must not be a um, quicker way to get it to the Twin Cities, but, um, but yeah, they they have just about everything. Yeah, I'm looking at their website. It's not pretty, but it, no, it is not. <laughs> there, are, there are a lot. Of, wow, it gets even worse once you dig into a section. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you should try. You should try filtering uh, filtering things on the mobile site. It's it's uh. oh. I'm impressed they have a mobile site though. Mm-hmm. Wow. They can they couldn't even make this table of products fit onto my desktop browser. <laughs> wow, no matter how wide you make it, it's still scroll okay. The, all that aside, all right. That is so, Yeah, the the pig is not the website, the pig is the company. <laughs> it's it's part of my job. Um Yeah, okay. So for people who need electronics parts say people who want to build microphones yeah all right you know for example i don't yeah. know who would do that but <laughs> that is one area not microphones specifically but electronics in general electronics and like robotics with arduinos it's an area that i know i would love and i really want to get into but i just haven't found the time to mm-hmm. i know enough about electronics to make gag devices. <laughs> I can solder a breadboard, but I don't know what I'm doing. I know electrical, all right. I was like a not not even an apprentice. Um, I worked for the electrician at the college I went to. I, Is this the same time as uh, 
when you did all the plumbing? Yes, the plumbing I was I was way more involved in the electrical. They would just like I would replace ballasts and stuff. But yeah. that old well, man, he taught me a lot of stuff. Yeah, it it's harder to kill yourself uh, unclogging a toilet than rewiring a lamp. That's fair. <laughs> I did. I sustained way fewer injuries mm-hmm. uh, doing plumbing, even with the arc welders and yeah. All right. Acetylene torches on copper t- piping. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my, uh, so my friend, Tim, the, the mad genius behind the, uh, the engine swap on the, the 944. Um, he's a, a tip, typical mechanical engineer. Um, and, uh, he grew up in, in St. Cloud and he had a tennis ball cannon that was made out of soup cans and then a, a coffee can for the, yeah. uh, the expansion chamber. It was all just taped together because apparently <laughs> that was the style at the time. And, uh, so, uh, we were over at his place for a, uh, for a bonfire must've been October or something. It was a really cool night. And, uh, he had this new girl over. And so, you know, she's, she's meeting all the friends and somebody says, Hey, Hey Tim, where's, uh, you should get out the, uh, tennis ball cannon. And, okay. So, you know, puts a little bit of, uh, uh, denatured alcohol in it, which is what he normally used. And he couldn't get it to light cause it was too cold out. And I jokingly said, Oh, just put some acetylene in it. <laughs> <laughs> so he he disappears for a bit. He comes back, said, "What'd you put in it?" And he says, "Acetylene and oxygen." And we all just scattered. So I, I'm hiding behind the the garbage can. He lights the thing off. It's the loudest thing I've ever heard. And I I slept through the the cannons at Fort Snelling when I was a kid. So, uh, so where know, did the tennis ball end up? Uh. It stayed in the barrel of the gun, but the 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 barrel ended up fifty feet over a fence and twisted like a candy bar wrapper. And the the coffee can just unwrapped itself, and uh, so now he's down. I think thirty percent hearing in one ear. Wow! So anytime I hear about acetylene, it just makes me think of that. I thought you were gonna tell me a welding story. Nah. Acetylene welding isn't all that exciting. I actually, I found it extremely cathartic. Oh, it, yeah, it's. I it's did. Uh, perfectly. Like, I, I went to art school, so the vast majority, when I wasn't working on copper pipes, was working on steel uh, sculptures, mm-hmm. and learning to like push a seamless bead was. I don't know. I found it very relaxing. I almost thought for a while about going into a career that involved welding. You know, the, the funny thing is all of the welders that I've come across always say never to become a welder. <laughs> I, yeah. My, my welding instructor at school. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I'm kind of fascinated by everything from even like TIG welding. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Anyway, someday. Well, that, that's just one of the things that you can do as a hobby, so you don't have to do it for a living. Yeah. 
Um, I have to, I have to check a, um, a reference or like a note back here. Okay, I don't think I've mentioned this, although I feel like I have somewhere. But uh, I want to talk about Streak CRM. Hmm. You might actually have a use for this, given you do some sales at your job. Uh, so I, I looked for a long time for decent CRM, like sales software, for various purposes, but I don't have any like deep enough need to pay the amount of money needed for a lot of the software available. Then I found Streak, and Streak works in Gmail, and it adds to your Gmail inbox or to your mailboxes, it adds a uh, pipeline feature where you create a pipeline and this would be like your sales pipeline. And then within that pipeline, you have boxes and you add contacts to them. And then you can, as communications go through, you can move them to from like pitch to negotiation to closed one, closed lost, etc. And, uh, and you can customize these pipelines in any way you like, and it's free for at least for someone doing the things that I need to do. It's a free tool and it's, it has an iOS app and I'm, yeah, I, I'm extremely excited to be using this now. And thus far I have found it very effective as a way to, you know, like for a sponsorship sales, for example, Mm mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'll have 20 people I want to contact. I'll send out a, a first pitch to everybody and then quickly lose track of where I met in conversations with each one. Mm-hmm. And this makes it extremely organized and easy to track. Yeah, I I think I'm going to be looking at this. I do recommend it. Yeah, because um, like we we have some online ads and a lot of that stuff comes to me and that's always hard to keep track of. And then, uh, we have, let's see here, I think four regular clients that we have a, a lot of, uh, different projects going at the same time. And I, I can see this, uh, doing a lot to keep all that straight. Well, there you go. Streak.com. Check it out. Mm-hmm. All right. What's your third? My third pick is um, the Ubiquity Unify APAC Lite, which is just a beautiful name. Um, it's uh, an AC uh, Wi-Fi access point, so it's got the you know the newest standard. Um, but the thing I like about it the best is since I got it, I haven't had a single Wi-Fi problem and I've always had issues where I've needed to restart my access point or restart the device I'm using. And this has just been perfectly solid um, since late December. I haven't had to restart anything and I'm never giving it up. Do you, I, I, I just Googled it and noticed that the first result was on the OpenWRT uh, hmm. wiki. Do you okay. do you make use of the uh, WRT firmware hackability? I do not. In huh. fact, i i didn't even I didn't even look up if it was uh, if it was available for this because I it's been just so seamless. 
Uh, I have used open or wait DDWRT on uh, a couple Linksys access points I had because they were yeah. they were so buggy, and the my the one that this is replacing uh, actually came with a build build of its stock, um, and I just always had trouble where it seemed to. Um, I don't know if it was a, an overflow issue or, or what the deal was, but it seemed like every 24 hours or so, uh, it would just stop passing traffic. Yeah. Yeah, I I loved, I hacked the heck out of my, my Linksys WRT routers, um, but have not. I switched to Airport Extremes, and I haven't had problems with those, although I've heard they can be a pain in the ass for a lot of people, but... Yeah. These well, what's I, the price on one of these? Uh, I think they're about eighty dollars. Yeah, I was gonna say they look really inexpensive. Yeah, the the main thing is it is not a router. This is uh just an access point. Yeah, um okay. if you need um if you need it to be a router, uh they do have some some other models that uh will do that. Yeah, uh, the the on their site I'm seeing ones that have I think an in for Ethernet and then two outs, so basically a splitter, like ports. I mean for hardwiring. There we go. Products. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, and the uh, the Autocross Club has. Um, let's see here. I think it's one of the air fiber. Uh, access points uh, that we use to to run our events, and uh, we we always had trouble with um, it. It autocross software is always kind of a, a weird. Um, every package is really touchy about how things work, and uh, so we we used to have just the. Uh, consumer grade hardware for the the wireless, and we always had issues with that. And then um, our chief of timing got the um, got the ubiquity unit and uh, managed to uh, set it up so everything just actually works now. And that that's what prompted me to uh, look into getting some of their hardware for home. This company has. Um, five gigahertz full duplex point to point gigabit radio for outdoor applications. Mm -hmm. I wish I could afford to just try one of those out right now. <laughs> wow. Okay. So which which model was your pick? The AP AP AC Light. All right. Perfect. That I'm gonna look into this stuff. That looks kind of kind of handy. And way cheaper than my current solutions. Speaking of, did you see the Euro? Uh, kind of, it's. I don't know how to describe it. It was a pick a while back. Uh, one of my guests picked it, and um, you buy like two or three of them, and it just creates this scattered like. Um, uh, I'm forgetting the word. Um, like a mesh network, or yeah, yeah, basically, yes. Mm -hmm. Um with leaves and it gives you ubiquitous Wi-Fi throughout your house. And at first they were really expensive, but they came down about a hundred dollars. Like the two pack version of it is a hundred dollars cheaper as of just a few days ago. 
Mm-hmm. If you look up Euro on Amazon, um, it has me tempted to. <laughs> but I do like the hackability of this one. Yeah, the um, um, the ubiquity access point, um, I, I still haven't installed it in its final spot, uh, which is going to be on the on the second floor on the ceiling because it, it's also um, got power over ethernet and it uh, it also comes with the poe injector in the box for that price so um, even if you don't have that built into your switch you can you can still get it going without having to buy anything else um, but right now i've got it on the first floor basically surrounded by metal and I, I still get coverage all over the house better than I did with the one that's in the spot where this one's going to go. Wow. So, that um, is highly intriguing. Yeah. Big all fan. right. Well, my last pick is, uh, from Eric Beavers in the Slack channel. Um, and for anyone who wants to join and pitch in some, a, uh, some top picks, you can go to signup.systemcast.net. Uh, but Eric Beavers recommends word service, which I actually, I've used quite a bit. Um, I honestly didn't realize it was still working in Sierra. I haven't used it for a while, but it is a, uh, oh, it's on the app store now. Wow. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's oh, a, a set of, sorry, go ahead. Oh, it, uh, it says the uh, the version in the App Store may not include the same features as their counterparts directly downloaded from their website. That that adds up. Makes sense. Um, but it's a set of services for Mac OS. I'm trying to... I'm, I'm looking up the like list of what's in it right now. Yeah. Here we go. So it gives you, uh, basically, like when you select text and then right-click, you can reformat text paragraphs to you know remove uh, line breaks within paragraphs and things like that. Clean up tabs, quotes, and line endings. Remove unwanted text parts. Sort lines or paragraphs. Change case. Shift paragraphs right or left. Obscure using rotate thir- 13, rot 13. Um, insert date, time, or file path, get text statistics, and things like that, and it's free. And I have written a lot of OS X, Mac OS services to do some of these things, but this is a ready-to-go package that gives you all of them. Cool. If you write, it, these are the kind of things you you would want to have. Yeah. I do not write. I'm bad at writing. I forgive you. Uh, I have a a set of services called the Markdown Service Tools, uh, which not a super creative name. I've often thought about repackaging them for the App Store and naming it something better. But they, if you write in Markdown, they do the same kind of thing with a whole bunch of very Markdown specific tasks. Um, I'll put a link to that in the show notes too, but. Uh, my pick should just be Mac OS services in general. I love services. But anyway. Oh. Shit. Uh, I wish... Oh, you ever use... Use, like, recent Mac OS at all? Like, since um, Yosemite? I've got... 
uh, I've got Lion Heck to work on my mini. Okay, we're done. <laughs> I won't go off on this. So, anyhow, you can be found on Twitter at Princess Harold. At mm. Princess Harold. We, we won't go into the details of that. Um, although, I, I believe I recall there being a pretty good story behind it. Um, is there anywhere else you want to link? Podcasts, oh. web pages? Hmm. Uh, I don't think so right now. Okay. I might in a couple months, but nothing right now. And you can also find Harold on the Slack channel for Systematic. It's true. Again, sign up dot systematic dot net or systemcast dot net. I think I bought both S Y S T E M C A S T and the one that matches the Twitter handle S Y S T M C A S T. Both of those go to the same place now. Um, yeah, you're you're actually very active in the podcast community in general, if I recall. Uh, for a uh, small subset, at least. Sure. Yeah. You were a five by five jackal, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I was. Uh, not not so much anymore, but uh, the uh, a bunch of us that were. Uh, pretty active in the in the chat room stay in touch nice good friends good times yeah all right and i am brett terpstra i'm at brettterpstra.com and tt scoff everywhere else twitter github last fm whatever you want to app.net is officially closing so not there oh uh, me <laughs> but well, how yeah. do you how do you spell tt scoff on emojily on a, a what? Emojly? Emojly? Yeah. Well, I don't know what that is. Are you uh, just mispronouncing emoji? No, no, there was an L in it. It was uh, uh, an all emoji uh, social network that was up for like a week. <laughs> I was never on that. <laughs> I'll forgive you. I found it. Emojly... <laughs> Closed on the 30th of July, 2015. I guess it's been a while. Wow. I totally missed that one. For I, that week. I managed to get Princess Harold on that one. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And uh, we'll, I'm, I'm trying to be more diligent about getting this podcast out every week again. I've been doing okay. I missed a week last week, but... We'll be back uh, in a week. Thanks, everyone, for listening.